Easterby conundrum in Houston. A guy who was hired as the VP of Player Development became the executive VP of Football Operations, is now the interim general manager. And there are lingering questions about whether or not he truly has the credentials for the job and whether or not there is some and or fabrication of past credentials. We borrow tomorrow's problems for today a lot, you know? And I think that Jesus is very specific with us that tomorrow has enough worries of its own, right? And so I think what we've been doing, uh, both in our office here in Houston, but also in our family, is what's the next right thing? And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast, another express edition this week. We don't tend to make a habit of doing two a week, but the team continues to keep giving us off-field stories. And as it relates to the expose in Sports Illustrated on Jack Easterby, the cover story that came out by Jenny Varentis and Greg Bishop, um, it portrayed Jack as a righteous gemstones character, if you've seen the series. And it was... Uh, Revealing not new news in many ways, but joining me to go and just make some sense of it is uh, James from the Texas Unfiltered. James, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, I, I mean, well, first of all, that article when I saw that, I actually when I first saw it, I thought, oh, not another another one. Um, and it wasn't until I clicked on it, um, I saw how long it was, and I thought, oh wait, then I'm gonna have to read this. Uh, so I sat down and. Uh, I hadn't heard many rumblings of it before it came out, um, but I think one, it's completely unprecedented, and and two, the fact that the the length of the article, you know, ridiculing an entire career of one individual and their actions and how they got there all in one place is on a national publication. It's pretty damning, I think. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely damning. Um, you know it. The entire article is um, very telling. Um, it's it's very interesting, and it doesn't paint Jack Easterby in a in the light that you would you would expect a character coach to be painted in. And I guess that's like probably the biggest thing I took away from the entire article is this guy is a character coach. So his whole career has been based on. Uh, being able to help build character and develop and lead young men into their, you know, young adult life and, and, and forward. And in the article, you basically get a swindler. You get a guy who's feasting for power and is willing to do whatever it takes to get it. And he just... I don't know. He's able to. Uh, he's a good talker, which which I can I can associate with. I, I I'm I've been told my entire life I'm a great talker. I can get what I want when I when I want it. The difference between me and Jack Easterby is, you know, I, I don't I don't use that for personal gain uh, to affect others and to uh, get to places and, and and try to do things just because I can. And uh, you know, Jack. I've tried to dismiss, you know, over the last, I think three weeks, maybe, maybe a month. Um, I've really tried to dismiss this whole game of Thrones, um, centric, uh, storyline around 
Jack Easterby because it it just is, it seems so far fetched to think that there is a little finger uh, in the organization and he's able to do the things that people are claiming he can do and it just seems so hard to believe that a billionaire owner would lean towards a person who has no reason to have his ear and has no experience to do the things that he's been asked to do. And that article pretty much makes it to where you can't ignore it anymore. Um, It is something that is evident and it is happening. And to me, that is just absolutely astonishing. The the biggest thing that I took out of it was the the fact, you know, so the, the, for anybody who's not ready yet, they interviewed over 40 people that had come into contact with him over his career. They sent the Texans a list of 70 to 80 questions in that region. And one of the points that was brought out by one of the respondents or interviewees was that they wanted to come out to help Cal see the reality. The exact quote, he's blinded by it. And the anecdote at the end of the article in the last paragraph, if anyone has not read it, it's they're on the flight home from London against the Jags. There's guys in the galley playing cards. Easterby's seen kneeling, you know, whispering sweet nothings into Cal's ear. As it's getting a bit rowdy at the back of the plane, he comes up, tells him to be quiet. Mr. McNair needs his sleep, is what he tells him. And then he returns by the owner's side and it says the one voice in his ear. And I found that fucking petrifying, if I'm honest. I just thought, like, how can, as you said, how can how can a guy, again, I think we forget he's an inherited billionaire of a man who made money out of Enron. And we just so happened to support a football team that he he founded. And his son, and his son is is on there, but I, I, whatever Cal does, he seems to get it wrong, you know. And I tweeted out a clip earlier, and it was the last known interview I could find. So it was recorded on the fifth of September. I couldn't remember the exact date. Deshaun signed his contract slightly after that, so it's probably the second last. He's on a podcast. I tweeted out earlier if you want to go and check it out. And one of the questions was, "What did your previous experiences?" prepare you for this and the answer included summer camps something about god and then just general terms about seats on the bus and no detail whatsoever and that was the big thing that the article pointed out if he he quizzed in any level of detail he moves on and just talks in general terms and it's it's so obvious that the guy is has no substance about him whatsoever as it pertains to run a football team but yet here we are and exactly like you said james all the things that he's been asked to do salary cap Shot to hell. We're going to have to get rid of players just to get under it next year. The culture is the biggest thing. You, If you've got to the point you've created a culture where one of your players thinks he's been followed out of the facility, whatever culture, whatever you're bringing, it just doesn't work. Yeah, I think there's just so much. There's so much to unpack in the article. You know, I have to wonder, did Jack Easterby... You know, I guess let's take a step back. You know, prior to the arrival of Jack Easterby, I don't think that there was an influx of fans that were ready for... To, I mean, there were some that wanted to fire 
Bill O'Brien, but I don't think it got to the point to where it did until Hopkins. I think Hopkins um, and I don't know. There's just this, this inclination in my mind that Jack hurt OB a lot more than OB hurt OB, if that makes any sense. And I don't know where in the timeline this change stems from, but there was a change in Easterby. Because if you think, okay, he was he benefit, benefited by the situation of Javon Belcher, suicide, you know. But you've got to remember, Romeo Cornell was there, so he was a reference point before this guy came into the building. He benefited at the Patriots to the point where he was a confidant of the greatest coach of all time. But again, he benefited from a tragedy in terms of the Aaron Hernandez murder, jailing, whatever, right through. So he benefited from those all those situations. But they were all based and they were all driven out of contacts through religious circles. And I think the religious element comes into it. I, I doubt, you know, hugely that O'Brien, just based on the way he acts, is a deeply religious man. So I think he saw him for the benefits that he could bring, but actually he was the underdoing of him. But yeah, you're right. It all stemmed from the Hopkins trade because that's when it started to bubble over, over onto the surface. But I think you, you saw in the article when they talked about you know, the the quotes of we need to move on from this guy because he Hopkins, you know, effectively it said, without saying it, saw through him, paid him no, you know, paid him no attention whatsoever. And he didn't like that. And I think there's a point when he got to Houston when he made that step up to VP, something changed and he saw a route to power for himself. And he'd slowly done it through, you know, you know, he likes to tell about how he's, he sold shoes at the mall and all this kind of stuff and loves to portray himself as an everyman. But End of the day, I think his grandfather was a bank treasurer, so I don't think they were. I don't think they were uh, in Project House and put it that way. So he 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 came in, and I think O'Brien even even duped O'Brien to an extent. Now O'Brien made the clear in the article he was you know he negotiated the trade. And the biggest issue of the trade is is not the trade itself; it's the return. So that's an O'Brien just as the the Chris Eubanks uh, uh, unscheduled practice away from the facility. I think you know that's part of that's O'Brien. He was there, but it's it's the other stuff under the surface. And if you look at from when he when he fired Brian Game, when he went around the building collecting information on everything, oddly to people, to then O'Brien, it showed you that something changed in his head, and he saw a path to power. Yeah, so I think it was more or less the the fact that they would let Brian Gain go so quickly. I think that was probably an eye-opener for Jack because I think at that point he said, okay, this guy just got here. Um, he's only handled two drafts and, and one free agency class, and here they are. They're ready to let him go. And it's like he saw an opportunity to be able to, you know, and I think another thing that people don't realize is this is all new to Cal too, right? He hasn't been an owner. His dad's been the owner. We really don't know his involvement as uh, you know with with his dad. We we know he was in the building, but we really don't know how involved he was. And so, you know, a lot of times when people are new to things, they'll lean on on other people to to help guide them. Um, and a, a lot of times, especially in in a, in a position like this where that Cal's in, a lot of times when you lean on the wrong person you end up in a position that the Texans are currently in. The biggest question, though, is does Cal see 
the position his organization is in. And I, I don't believe he does. I, I really don't. I, I don't believe that he understands. I don't think he knows the impact that this will have. You know, I don't know if top GMs and head coaches do want to come here because of Jack Easterby. You know, they just witnessed Brian Gain get fired likely because of Jack Easterby. They just saw Bill O'Brien fired because of uh, Jack Easterby. They saw that DeAndre Hopkins was traded because of Jack Easterby. They saw Amy Palsik was fired. And even though Jamie Roots took full responsibility for yeah. it, who knows if no, Jack was, Easterby is – That was bullish. Who knows if Jack yeah. is – who knows if Jack is in Jamie's uh, ear too? You know, Jamie isn't a smart guy either. So, uh, I mean, this is the same guy who went on a, on a podcast and told them that it wasn't about winning when he came to the organization. It was about to show that outs, even without winning, the business can still make money. So, I mean, and this guy is the president of the organization, and he said that. So, uh, you know, why would a GM and head coach want to come here? I, I, I get that Kalsh, you know, said – uh, that the role will be determined by the general manager. And, and hopefully that's true. And hopefully that's enough to to get the talent that you're looking for at those two positions. But, man, it's you've got to think that the search is going to be a little tough. Well, I think the part of that one that I'd pick up was the, the sense that this is so bad or the, or the just, you know, you, you, can, you probably can't get any you probably can't reach a bigger level of criticism than I think when I printed this article to highlight some point, I think it was 14 pages. And if Cal can't see that, he's, he's and, I, and look, I, I, as somebody not particularly religious myself, I can't so probably begin to fathom the, the blanket of religion and how much comfort and, and point and, a, and a, a common point of relation between the two characters could possibly pose and I, I would be able to understand that myself so if that is so strong then fine but at the end of the day Cal's interest in his inheritance whether he wanted it or not he has a duty to you know his dad's legacy to, to make this right and, it, and I don't think you could possibly get more critical than than, than this sort of feature length piece and, I, and it made me think James of all the last few weeks, various outlets, various reporters, is this another contrived effort by the powers that be? Because this is a league that is quite happily blackballed players that thought they were a threat or unconventional, um, and it was a threat to their interest. Is you know just like Jack used to be team friendly or player friendly contracts rather, not team friendly, handing out shows that the the ladder and takes away some of the the hard work and graft that goes into becoming a prominent member in this industry. Do you think there's a wider picture here that people want him out? It's not just media taking easy shots. There is, there is, you know, the forces that be that, that want to see a change and, and see him removed. Because if he doesn't get removed eventually, obviously he can't do it now, but if he doesn't get removed eventually, you know, as the season, as the season comes to a conclusion, then that's a pretty perilous position, as you said, as it pertains to head coach and GM hires. Uh, I, I believe the player that was followed was Kenny Stills. Uh, and that's just taking like two and two and trying to make it equal four. Like it, 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 it's not two plus two in that article. But when you hear some of the racial undertones um, when he would address the team, um, 
you know, I think he used the the name. I, I forgot the names when speaking to a predominant black team, but one of them was Kiki, and the other one was I don't I, I can't remember. But basically, just you know, taking the most obscure uh, black names possible and and making them fit to um, to relate to black players. And, you know, then I, and then I start to think about the baby mama, Aaron Hernandez stuff. And a lot of that got painted and and pushed towards B.O.B. I actually think it was Jack. You know, I, I I really do. Uh, He dealt with Aaron. Bill O'Brien didn't deal with Aaron. You know, he was on the team. He was the offensive coordinator, but he didn't, he didn't deal with Aaron. Jack Easterby was actually the main person to work with Aaron Hernandez during that entire thing. There's a whole piece on it, uh, I believe, in the Boston Globe. Um, and so, you know, I, I think this is coming from all sorts of angles. And I think now it's it's like, okay, this guy burned us. And you see it a lot. You don't see it in the NFL or NBA, but you see it just a lot in business. Is that when one, one person scorned, scorned uh they they tend to try to uh unleash and do what they can to seek revenge um and i'm sure they're and 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 based on the article there are players you know and uh, who those players are i'm not sure i i really don't have an idea of it you know the only free agent that i can really think about or you know that may have spoke up and has no problem ever speaking up is Kenny Stills. Yeah I think and so Kenny Stills and I think the the gambling one was clowny. I think it has to be. Uh, just all the videos that were showing him at the craps tables and stuff. When he, I think, was he not meant to be at a game or a, the day before a game that yeah. he was injured? So you can imagine yeah. that just as an easy narrative to paint. And and then it, I think that the biggest thing I took from it was basically how he he choked con- the life out of Brian Gaines' tenure by separating departments, by acquiring sign off for him to get involved and interject in, in normal everyday processes to the point where it was described as dysfunctional, even rudimentary tasks like the injury report became an issue. So he, he, he screams of a guy that doesn't know what he's doing. Um, he can talk publicly, and it's sort of said that Bob McNair was at, you know, back to his South Carolina roots, watched him speak. So I think he talks you know, a good game, broadly speaking. But I think when you watch anything he says, there's not much substance as it pertains to football. If you actually look at football-specific answers and anything he talks about, there's not much there. There's not. There's not. And, you know, the rise to power, the, you know, the ability to be an interim GM, there's so much here that it's it's almost mind numbing and and hard to fathom how we really got to this place because a smart businessman let alone not just an NFL businessman but a smart businessman would never have his organization in a place like this and so it's like how 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 did we get here you know everybody everybody can point to bill o'brien you know but from you know, and I know he, he brought him over, but God, like, 
Cal has relationships with Bob Kraft and he has relationships with other owners. You know, he could call the chiefs, you know, there's just so many, he, he could, he has so many resources to understand what and who he's bringing into the building. And he's the one that signed off for him to come in. And I, I just can't believe we're in a place now where we're talking about a 37 year old Joel Osteen as a power person on the fifth richest NFL team as far as revenue goes. I mean, it's really, it's, it's really mind boggling to understand that this is where we're at. Yeah. And and there's still so much in the article that we haven't even touched on that. That is even more insane. You know, it's, it's crazy. I thought the, the, the motivational cards that he put on players on stools as they came in and they had to tell him that that particular tool was not resonating. Um, you know, and, and the, the claim that he was offered a lifetime contract by Robert Kraft. And if you read the statement or the response that was given by Cal and then Easterby as, as part of the, the questions, they didn't go through all the questions, they just gave a generic response and, and uh, but I think that the issue is with Cal and why he's he's so unwilling to or why he comes a, why it becomes unclear is his lack of willingness to do open mic interviews. He won't just go and sit down with somebody. It's all pre-rehearsed questions, and it shows because they give the answer and depending on how the question was asked, you don't see that part of it because it's not a live interview. You just see the response, and then the responses become contradictory. And they were again. In in this statement about you know he said it'd be him and the GM who would who would you know decide his future, but I think the issue is I think you know yeah you could say it was maybe even O'Brien's biggest mistake was bringing in a guy who effectively knifed him in the back, but there was you know there was a lot in there uh, that that basically undermined his core principle or his core skills as he's talked about it himself his talents. That actually everything, everything good he's meant to bring, he's done the complete opposite of that. So he has fundamentally failed on every level. And now the fact that this has all come out in a terrible, terrible way, again embarrassing for Cal. But I think it was you saw that when the committee and I, you know, I, I said that the second that committee thing came out, I said it, it's just a complete smokescreen for Cal to be saying, "Look, I'm I'm being diligent. I'm doing what normal owners would do." And then a day later, Tony Dungy comes and goes, "I'm not on a committee. I've had about fifty texts about this on the Darren Patrick show. I gave him some advice, and he effectively said he came to me with no idea, and basically his 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 question was, Tony, who's good, you know." And he said, well, you, there's about 50 guys I could recommend you. I need to know what you're trying to achieve, and then I can recommend them. So Tony Dungy effectively said, the guy's not got a fucking clue either. So, you know, there's so many examples mounting up against Cal and his, and his lack of wisdom. And he's not a young man. You know, he's not, he's, it's not like he's a 30-year-old son and his, his father's died unexpectedly and he's been thrust in, in this position. This was planned. This was a managed move that they saw coming over a number of years. And to be, you know, to look this incompetent, it, it just makes you wonder if they can get the, the, the GM higher and the head coach right. But I tell you what, James, one guy I do not want to see in the building after reading this article is Brian Dable. Yeah, uh, that's... Yeah, no, I mean, 100%. And you have to assume... You have to assume that 
Dable is going to be a hot commodity specifically with this organization. And, you know, this league is built on relationships. It's all about who you know. And the fact that Jack and Dabble have their their relationship and that Dabble is also a, um, a, a, a name that people are starting to recognize as a head coach candidate. I tell you, this team doesn't understand how to... <laughs> avoid the worst of worst situations. But, you know, if it is Brian Dabble, and to be honest with you, if I had, if I was a betting man, if it, and I, I am at times, but I would put a lot of money on Brian Dabble being our head coach next year. And it's because this entire league is based on relationships and who you know and and how you get to those positions. And, uh, you know, it's going to be very hard for anybody that is a part of that, you know, committee or Cal or Conan Ferry with Jed Hughes. Um, It's going to be very hard to ignore what Brian Dabble has done. And ultimately, um, Texans fans are going to have to be concerned. Because while, yes, he is successful and what he's done with Josh Allen is, uh, is, is tremendous. You know, you're, you're talking about a raw prospect that came into the league with just a cannon of an arm and, and really no inclination on really how to play quarterback at the next level. And we've seen development and steps in, in, in Josh Allen's career over the last three years. He's taken massive steps every year. He's gotten better in a lot of different areas. Um, you know, and it's it's great he's 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 one of the top names right now and so but what are you going to get are you, are, are we going to get another situation where it's pretty much bill o'brien all over again um you know if if he's leaning on the wrong guys and he he has a relationship with jack i don't know man i i think the the brian dable thing is is very interesting let me ask you this though let me ask you this what if what if all this stuff really? Because like Peter King came out yesterday. Did you see all that? Uh, I heard it referenced. Just I, maybe give me a bit more context. Yeah. So so Peter King came out. Um, he did an interview in Boston and was saying, you know, is Jack this guy that was portrayed in SI? Now keep in mind, Peter King writes for SI. So you know, Monday Morning Quarterback is a SI product. But he's is he you not know, NBC um, now though because he he moved because Albert Breer writes Monday Morning Quarterback, now, doesn't he? Oh, does he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Peter King, so much Peter, Peter King, did there you go. Football okay. Morning America or something. But yeah, he, a long time employee, anyway. Yeah. Long, long time employee. Relationships with everybody over at SI, and um, he comes out and basically says, like, sure, there's, there's, there, there is reason to be, you know, skeptical of Jack Easterby, um, but he said that he doesn't believe that Jack is the guy that is portrayed in that, in that um, article that uh, Jack, you know, while sure he has been there and been part of decisions that ultimately the decisions were done by Bill O'Brien and Jack just happened to be there for them. um, And that he has no want or will to be a general manager um, that he, he kind of wants to be, you know, doing what he's doing now. So what, what if all of this, 
is just a campaign smear and 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 all of it is false what if none of this is is real what if what if what if jack easterby really isn't this person that is portrayed in the article i I, yeah i i think it's gone too far now and it's gone on for too long for it not to be i think you can't have something at this length with that many people interviewed with that many indictments that many quotes that many examples and anecdotes about the type of character he is. Now, I think he is very good at managing people. And as you said, I don't think you necessarily always need to be the brightest to be in football, but you could be a very intellectual football IQ, but not necessarily the emotional intelligence side of it that that he portrays at a high level. And you see them in every walk of life. There's people who are very good at managing other people to get to the positions they want to get to. It just so happened that he came in at a time where they removed the GM etc. But if you go back to that Brian Dable example, he has the same agent as Brian Dable, but he has the same agent as Nick Casero and he made, you know, and that was a complete shit show because they you know, you'd have thought he could have just asked his agent, you know, yep. off the record. Share the same agent. Off the, off the record. Is he a candidate? To then go and do that at a party for another team's Super Bowl ring awarding. To make that so so blatantly obvious, the fact that the Patriots caught on to that, when they could have done everything, he didn't need to go, he could have done that without going there. So, like, even from that point, so he's at that meeting, or, or he, he corners Casario in a room, they fire Brian Gain, a guy who he's orchestrated his, his, his removal by basically cutting off communication through the building, therefore isolating the guy, and then portraying that to, to Cal. Is, is, is somebody who's not communicating, doing the, the leadership in inverted commas. And then what's to, what's to make think, you know, what's to make anybody think that he wouldn't do exactly the same again? He's shown a track record of not, be, everything he's been given since in Houston, he's not d- done well, you know, and I played a clip at the start that about, you know, he's talking about doing the right thing, the next right thing and all that stuff. It's all just words. It's all fluff. There's no substance to it whatsoever. And I think, you don't get into that you don't get into that position that he's been in without being ruth you're either very intelligent or ruthless or a mix of the two in any walk of life to get to a senior position where you've got pressure lots of stakeholders around you and various guys is exactly what a football team is it's a, a it's a private company but it's a public concern it's in everybody's eye and there's millions of, you know hundreds of thousands of people have an input or a say and their opinion on something that they don't see the operation of. But for it to come out this blatantly in, into the open in a way that is just so unflattering for the whole organization, I just, at this point for me, I can't, I couldn't possibly fathom the fact that Cal couldn't move on from this guy at the end of the season because you can't do it now because it just looks like a knee jerk reaction. But if he's so entrenched with Cal, I think the concerns of the, the, the future of this franchise longer term is is really up for debate because if you're a free agent or if as you said gm or any kind so we're in the market for all levels of the organization to basically reboot this whole thing and start again and the whole reason why we're starting again is when when easterby turns up the whole downfall of everything from the end of the 2018 season we went 11 and 5 right from that point to now it's all unraveled when it could have all been very different it was set up for success and it's been unraveled, and he he's got to take his fair share of blame of that. And by him just still being here, it just absolves him of all the issues that he co-signed on everything. And I I I had I had doubts b- before I read this article, you know, because you think Glenn 
glowing reviews of Kansas City. He was meant to go to Indianapolis. Glowing reviews in New England. He could have gone to Miami, but he came here. And you think, oh, well, there must be more to it. And, you know, Bill O'Brien's portrayed as the villain. But when the villain is outed by somebody just that little bit sneakier than him, then uh, or power hungry than him, then I think I, I, there's there's no room for anybody to turn apart for get rid of him. But I don't know if it'll happen. Well, you know, you, you while I can under, I, while I can understand it and, and sometimes and, and, and a little bit agree with the, the sense that um, a knee jerk reaction would be, you know, if you did fire him. But part of me feels like that knee jerk reaction is kind of needed. Oh, yeah, it's needed because, yeah, you know, like. Okay, we're we're basically out of the running of the playoffs. Like, sure, if they add a a, new, a team to each conference, we could be the eighth seed if we go eight and eight. And it looks like, based on the schedule, there's a likelihood that we could. Right? You know, I think we showed that we can beat the Colts, um, the Titans. You know, who knows? I, I do think we can beat the Titans. I, I don't buy into them. Right? And then you have the Bears and Bengals. So it's like you could it could happen. But it, even over the next four weeks, if it says a lot about the organization that if you can't go without Jack Easterby being your interim general manager right now, then there's also more underlying issues within the organization. So I think right now, you know, actually firing him is the message that needs to be sent out. It's something that should happen. It's something that, uh, you know, fans are going to want to hear and see. Um, but I think ultimately, if you want to establish a winning culture and winning organization, you're going to have to get the right guy in here. And if you want to make sure you have that chance, then you need to fire Jack Easterby and you need to do it now, even based on the article. You know, a lot of times we see reactions based on articles and things that come out. You know, an article is no different than any other breaking news that may come out. You know, player was at this, you know, uh, outside event without a mask, you know, like, like it, it's no different, right? It's, it's, it's still damning. And then you also got to think of the implications that possibly may come from, you know, hosting uh, workouts and things of that nature during COVID. You know, there's some stuff in here that Cal has the ammunition to, to fire Jack Easterby based solely off of some of the information in the article. And I, I do think that that's the, the path that Cal should take is just fire him now, you know, especially since so many players are saying that the culture that was trying to be established is not one that they are all for. Do you think the fact that there's a, a president set of mistrust, obviously that statement from Cal's come out prior to the article release. Do you think in any way Cal will change his position based on reading that? Cause surely he will read it. Honestly, I don't know. Do you think? Do you, do you think he think reads that and said, "Do I have to see the bigger picture here? If he's capable, because I don't know if he is. There's no track record to say he's capable of any big bigger picture thinking, or long term, or even medium term planning. Particularly in those Tony Dungy comments, do you think he reads that and go, you know, this guy could well be in it? And the fact is, it's not even." It's it's an inference or a potential logical conclusion. It's been stated in new. I've seen Lance Serling came out. There's another prominent media member has come out and said GM candidates are put off by him being in the building. Do you think after this, finally, you could think you know you have to be completely embarrassed 
at the, the highest level and the, on the broadest scale possible, do you think even then he could go, well, maybe actually this guy might not be good for us. I might just have to let him go in a different direction because according to Steph Stradley, anyway, the, the guy who's got another four or five years left on a contract he signed and the fact that people are talking about how much he earns and, and all this stuff, he has been vilified to the, you know, to the moon and back. And after all this, do you think Cal might even go, you know, he's sitting in the house at night, he's saying, you know, Hannah, might have to let this guy go. Do you think that's even possible? Or do you think he's, do you think they're sitting reading Bible verses to each other around, you know, around while they're, uh, while the butler brings out some, brings out the next course? You know, I've, I've, with, you know, uh, um, <laughs> you know, I've long, I've long questioned, um, the willingness of this organization to do whatever it takes to win, whether it was Bob McNair or now it's Cal McNair. Um, you know, and based on history, I've, I've, I've never really been, I've never really seen that this organization is about winning. The only, the only constant that makes me believe that is Deshaun Watson and him signing a contract extension and things of that nature. He must believe it because if not, he wouldn't have done it. Um, he's a winner and that he wants to win. That's his whole goal. So I think Cal is, is probably just, you know, being brought some stuff from his butler and, um, and I don't think that he, I don't think he has the balls to make that move or that decision. I really don't, you know, when I hear him talk, well, you know, I, I recently watched, uh, you know, Titus Howard put out the, uh, his his draft, you know, when the the day he got drafted and the phone call. When, when I watch that man answer the phone or talk, I see a hesitant, non not confident person. That that that's just what I see. Just his his overall body language, the way he looks, the way he carries himself. He looks like somebody that would allow an outside influence dictate his business. Just based on everything I, I, I I've seen this guy do, um, whether it's you know talking to season ticket holders or it's an appearance on the Texan show to give us an update on things, he doesn't sound like a man who cares about winning. And I I think Jamie Roots has pretty much made that very clear with his statements three weeks ago. And uh, I, I just don't think Cal is the guy that, that can make that decision mentally. I don't think he cares enough to make that decision. Uh, and I think this whole committee thing is, you know, give him a pass a little bit because when he sent that out to the season ticket members, he, you know, he never once called it a committee. Uh, you know, the, the, all of the media ran with it and called it a committee. He, he just put together, uh, you know, some advisors is the way he looked at it. People that he was asking for outside in, you know, so, you know, I give him a pass on the committee aspect. Uh, I know he got buried on that, on Dan Patrick, but I, I, I just don't think Cal McNair is, is uh, a leader of men. I don't think he understands what it means to lead. I don't think he understands what it takes to grow and build a business. Uh, and I don't think he has the, the balls to do what is necessary to get this team to where it wants to go and how it's going to get there and how it's going to take advantage of a top, you know, two talent in the NFL and Deshaun Watson. And, I think this is just who he is and, you know, I, I think Jack will be here and, and we're all going to be 
going through um, this for, for, for quite some time. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, how do you feel? I mean, do you think, I mean, it, unless you share different sentiments, yeah, no, I'd love I, to hear your thoughts. I, I think he, he, I think he wants to win his heart of hearts. He just doesn't know how to go about it. And that's clear. Um, but I think, you know, it takes, I think it takes more balls to persevere at times than it does to chop and change. Um, but the, the required choice in this moment is to reset the organization, remove everything that was wrong with the past and start again. Because I think the only, he's come out and had more statements in the last few weeks as a result of this media noise than, he's, than he probably spoke in the last three years or certainly the last two seasons since he's been in full control. 2018-2019, he's spoken more in, in since O'Brien got fired than he had than he did in that whole time period up to then. So he obviously yep. knows there's an awareness there that people aren't happy, and it and it certainly you know outlined that in the in his statement. Um, and he calls it personal attacks um, on on Easterby, but I I I would ho- I would hope that he does see that a change is required here because. You've only you've half-heartedly changed removing the coach. We've still had to go through, you know, another twelve games of the old coaching staff. You know, it was there was going to be an element of change, but not a full change. So until we completely reset, and if you allow somebody for whatever reason, friendship, lack of judgment, to negatively impact or put the the reset off the its truest and freest course it could take to find the best possible candidate at front office and coaches, then you've you've failed. And if if he do, if he doesn't see that, then I think we're all doomed. And I think, and not doomed in the sense that you know I, I think, but I think his ownership is doomed in the fact that you won't bring a championship to Houston. Now you could well still do that with Watson just by luck, you know, and a, and a roster you know suddenly compiles itself by chance, and and you get a championship run. But I I I hope I hope this is the the straw that breaks the camel's back in Regis because to be this criticized for so long it's not it's not even about on the field it's off the field and if the off the field is out of kilter the on the field will suffer and we've seen that finally happen this year but it took 18 months of off the field dismay to make to finally re- for everyone to realize it and now this is the sort of you know the the aftershock effects that we're seeing with these articles so i don't know i think there's a lot more to it because i think james if you noticed in the article on the website there was numerous points where it says have a tip Email us. So I, I think that I think there's a lot more meat left on the bones of what was in this article, just with with that inclusion of that alone ne- next to some of the text. I, I I guess it's just what have we seen from um what have we seen from from Cal that makes you think that he's able to handle and maneuver through all of this. He's not, I think, and that's why he's 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 publicly said, "Look, I know you don't trust me, but these are some trusted names, trying to transfer some of that trust over to him." Um, in a sense, that he's reaching out. And I think I think his ideal is he can just sit back in the box and watch a successful team, and he has no involvement, and he only has to get involved at certain times, less so than his father did, because I don't think he's as capable as Bob was pretty hands on, by all accounts. So, I think. He wants to be to a point where it where it will flourish, but he doesn't know how to get there. And until he gets there, we're just stuck. 
you know, we're, we're going in circles here. Yeah. And I guess ultimately for me, you know, that that's like probably the biggest thing is I, I can't, I can't find a way out of this. I can't find a, uh, a path to resolve. I can't, I feel like just for the next, you know, everything, uh, everything that we've seen so far this off season from stories to just completely bashing this team and this organization and the decisions they've made and the things that have happened. I just think that we're in for more of this over the next four to six weeks. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't think this is ending. And I think you're right, but the, the, I think it's the start. Yeah. And there, I think it's, I think it's going to continue and continue and continue until it forces his hand. I think, I mean, there will be some stories and you saw it every week, leaked, leaked Saturday afternoon, Sunday, just prior to kickoffs, so you got everyone's attention, you know, any detail about this whole situation. Now, obviously there's lots of people in the background resent the situation. They don't want it. They want it out of their league. It's their controlled boys club, 32 club environment, and they want it out. And I think the only way, there's only one way to fix this, and it's just to shit can that mother and get him out as far away from this building as possible. He should never have been in it in the first place, and he should never be allowed back. And he will never be allowed back in another franchise. I couldn't, that's one thing. Do you, do you think after all this, any other franchise would employ him tomorrow if we sacked him? I don't think so. Um, no. Not in this capacity. No, not in this capacity. And I think that podcast that I released earlier today, go and check out the clips. I urge everyone to do that. And it, the questions, although it's in a religious-based sports podcast, so there's a lot of terminology in there, it, it basically outlines glaringly that he, sh- that he has no, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And it's actually quite harrowing listening to it. It's, it's, it, it was almost on the on the on the verge of upsetting that, that this guy's been, you know, ruining you know all the everybody out there that's got a vested interest to this team and particularly Deshaun. So hopefully, we'll see a resolution to this. Any final words on this, James? I'm just I'm so frustrated by where this team is at, and um, I just. No, I have nothing else I can really say. I feel like I've said everything. Like it, it's just extremely upsetting that this is where we're at and this is what we're doing and we have Deshaun and this is what we're going through. It, you know, I can't I can't think of another storyline since I've been watching the NFL that even comes close to the levels of what this organization has gone through over the last 18 months, uh, over the last six months, over the last three months. And um, it just is, uh, it's insane. It really is. It's insane. It's sad. It's worrisome. Every Every fan should be concerned with the future of this team. And I think the worst part about it is the fact that, you know, normally under normal circumstances, when you're going through this situation of, you know, a new regime coming in, there's, there's excitement, right? There's excitement because you have an understanding of what the future will likely hold. 
you know, or at least have an inclination that you're on a path that you would like to be on. And this team has the piece that would really make you feel that way outside of a hire of Marvin Lewis or Jeff Fisher. No matter who the coach would be, you would feel pretty good moving forward. And yet you have this cloud over the organization and over the fan base that makes you think that there's a good chance that that doesn't happen. So instead of us spending time talking about candidates and what we like and, you know, general managers and, and just, you know, what coaching staffs can come with what coaches Instead, we're spending time talking about a 37-year-old character coach who has found a way to wiggle his way through an organization to the owner's ear and is impacting decisions and the positive light that should be casted on this team. And that is the most glaring thing that could possibly happen. I can't believe that this is a story happening about an NFL team. And yet, of course, that type of story is happening to the Houston Texans. Yeah, I think what we've seen in this article is there is no smoke without fire. We've seen elements of the fire exposed in ways that you could argue that this franchise may never recover from, certainly in the short to medium term. But there's an easy option to fix this. And it's remove this imposter and set this franchise free into what should be a new era, not more of the same of nigh on 20 years of mediocrity. This was a chance to turn the page and move on together. You'll get the fans on side, you'll get the media off your back, and it's it's the easiest thing you could do in the world. It's just remove somebody who's in a position, who's shown us through time of 18 months, not just this article, this is not an Egypt reaction to today, that we can all move on and let Deshaun... You know, a guy who's got all the talent in the world take this team to to, to a place that his talent deserves. And if you if you don't do that, it, it, it's one of the biggest mistakes that anybody can make. Despite you know how much has been handed to you, Cal, you need to do the right thing here and uh, let let us all move on because it's it's a hellish place to be, and uh, and and we need, and there's and there's a chance a chance for a new dawn. So let 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 us please have that. And uh, James, thank you very much for your time, mate. It's been always a pleasure having you on. My go-to man when there's a a bit of a crisis. Um, always got time to come and jump on. So I appreciate you, man. I always got you, and and we know that there's always going to be a crisis. Well, yeah, let's <laughs> let's get to an era where there's no crisis, and uh, and oh, I, and I look forward to coming back on Tuesday. Hopefully, talking about a Bears win in Chicago, a game. That, that I wanted desperately to be at, but we'll be watching a whole but this team. Some that can actually fill the headlines with on the field matters, but it's great, you know, it's greatly talented quarterback. So please check us out at podcasttexans.com, at podcasttexans on Twitter, on Facebook, and we'll see you again next week. Mm-hmm.